Hey, everybody. Today's episode of Know Your Gear Live, number 60. I think that's the diamond anniversary. I'm not sure. Anyways, is brought to you by, of course, uh, the friends that make this happen. Bradulus, Jeff Howe, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce Garris, Henry Gunson, John Jacks, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, David Madison, Lawrence Petros from LPD Pedals, James Biles, Robert Books, Tim Camacho, Robert Hodges, Steve Pinna, Paul Ostrich. Ost yeah, sure. Ostrich. Paul. It's Paul. Michael Lindner, Joe Watson, Gregor, Jonathan Pickering, Bob Pickwood, Tim, John Levitt, Space Jazz, Pedal Pal Effects, of course, right? Uh, they make the J the uh, Pal 800 series pedals. Ricky Robinson, Chuck Keen, Chris Glaze, and Dylan87. And let's not forget Russ from Taurus Pedals, one of the first pedals I ever reviewed on this channel. So, how was your guys' this week? <laughs> All right, let's say let's see how we go. That's how it goes. Let's see. Um, let's. Uh, what do we got going on? My week's chaotic. I hope you guys' week was good. Okay, here we go. Let's start with the first question. Let's just get into it. Let's do it. Um, the first first question. is from I don't know everybody's just saying hi oh okay first question uh hey Phil have you ever played a Dane Electro bass um I have played a Longhorn bass I've never owned one but I've played them many times I always thought they were cool um I kind of dig them they kind of like have a different uh mid-rangey kind of sound uh, that's fun. I'm definitely more into those short scale, medium scale kind of bases. So uh, if that's a, a reference, maybe that's something I'll probably look in the future. But I've always liked the Longhorn uh, bases by Dan Electro. Uh, Pete Johnson says, hey, Phil, let's buy a guitar for a vet. OK, yeah, yeah. You want to uh, do it uh, for uh, guitars for vets? Well, I'll make sure that gets to the right place, Pete. Um, you guys saw last week obviously tyler larson was on and uh he he donated some money to guitar vet for vets i've done that in the past as well it's a good charity uh yeah i got a I somebody said hey you got a haircut i get a haircut every day it's uh it's part of the routine all right um phil bradshaw says hey phil i just bought the tv the tv electronics i mean he means tc but it's tv tc electronics hall of fame reverb 2 tell me about it tell you about it i have the same pedal i'm using it right now with my archon in the other room um you know i don't notice anything that's different about it for me versus the one other than it has that expression plunger but i have not found a use for that other than uh I'm using the Pete Thorne tone print on it, and I love it, but I haven't really been using that plunger, but I love the pedal for sure. Somebody says, where do you find lost picks? They're in your dryer, man. Go look in your dryer right now. That's where they're at. They're in the, they're in the linen trap if you're looking for your picks. <laughs> or at your friend's house because your friends are taking your picks, man. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Dave Law says, using a bass amp with a guitar, are there any pros or cons to this? Well, the bass amp is a liberal term. Uh, Steve Ray Vaughn used some bass amps. Uh, obviously, the Fender Bassman 59 was originally a bass amp, and the guitar players used it. And then there's what I call the modern bass amps, where more of a hi-fi kind of sound, class D power amps, uh, definitely more aggressive active EQ stack. Um, there's no negative to using... Um, a guitar through a bass amp in uh, the safety sense. You wouldn't be damaging the amp or yourself or the guitar. Um, you might buy, find some interesting tones. My personal experiences, maybe old bass amps or two bass amps sound good. But if you take like a modern Hughes and Kittner or a, um, uh, not a, well, not Hughes and Kittner. What do I think? Gallian Kruger. Take a modern Gallian Kruger bass amp, something like that. A Harky, run some pedals through it. It doesn't sound so awesome. So, Okay, here we go. Uh, Brian Stewart says, oh, he's just saying SE stands for student edition. That's some, some, uh, he wanted to make that announcement. So we made that happen. Uh, H22S says, any music shops in Phoenix besides Sam Ash Guitar Center to check out? Yeah, uh, Sam Ash is, is a nice store in the Phoenix area if you haven't been to that store. But there's Zim's Guitars in Mesa. There is the Guitar Gallery in Scottsdale, um, and there's uh, Bizarre Guitar in Phoenix. I'm trying to think of like a really good guitar stores, um, not just because there's also like mom and pop music stores that have guitars. But those those three that I'm thinking of right now, those are guitar stores that I'm familiar with. That's where I would probably start besides your typical chain stores. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's my favorite paul wants to know what's my favorite guitar strings um well if you mean by brand i use daddario a lot uh but i also use ernie ball sometimes i i find that the ernie ball strings uh feel stiffer to me on the same gauge of wire so if i take a nine gauge ernie ball and a nine gauge daddario i feel like the nine ernie ball is a little little stiffer like way it feels uh less uh rubbery so sometimes i like that diodario kind of rubbery feel and sometimes i like the ernie ball kind of stiffer feel some people might vary they might have the exact opposite opposite opinion of what i'm saying but that's my personal opinion um those are the two i stick with i'm not really a big uh, dr and uh, ghs guy uh, although i used to play ghs forever but those are the two brands i like and then uh when it regards to gauge, I use whatever gauge suits the guitar. So behind me right now, if you're looking behind me, I can not look in. There's a Jazzmaster right there that has 11s. Uh, that Steve I guitar has 9s. That guitar has 10s. That guitar has 10s. That guitar is a 7-string, <laughs> so it has 9-gauge nine, uh, nine, nine set. That uh, PRS right here, I don't know, there, there, I almost did it, there, uh, has 10s. Uh, that Nuno has nines, that Fender has nines, and uh, ironically, the other gem I have has uh, eights, and so does my RG550. Um, so I'm all over the place with gauges, depending on how I feel. Um, actually, I take it back, that Nuno has nine hybrids, so they start at nine and the end of tens, so it's a nine to 46 set. I, uh, I'm a fond believer that the guitar picks the strings 
uh, in other words, sometimes uh, I just had this with my telly. I've been playing nines on the telly. I even asked some people on Instagram what they thought about eights. I put the eights on the telly. I was hating it. And so I went the other way and put tens on it. And then I put elevens on it. Didn't love the elevens, but now I love the tens. Sometimes just the guitar, the right string just fits the guitar and it kind of works out. Robert Davidson says, do double stack single coil pickups still have good tone in the neck position? My MIM Strat sounds great, but is noise on the noisy side. Uh, yeah, the stack single coils, I mean, they give you that single coil vibe. So if you're looking for that, okay. Um, and I, I come up, here's a, a way I, I think I explained this, this, the double stack or the stacked single coil pickup concept to me. It's like the Piezo system, Piazzo system or pizza system, however you want to say that, on an acoustic. It gives you, it gives the audience a vibe of what the acoustic sounds like. It doesn't sound as good as just miking the acoustic, um, but it gives you a good idea. Uh, stacked single coils give you and the audience a good idea what a single coil sounds like, but none of the noise. I don't think it sounds exactly like a single coil, uh, at least in my experience, but close enough, enough to where I wouldn't want to, I don't want, think I'd want to A, B it on a blind taste test and see which one I, you know, picked. Um, but yeah, I think it's, a, and it, I definitely think it sounds great in the neck position because I think it sounds bigger and, and beefier. And sometimes it's nice to have fuller cords on that neck and the clean. So I think you're, I think you're good to go for that. I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Okay. Here's a long question. I'm going to give it a shot. It's from Casper Boo. Sure. Why not? <laughs> it says help Phil in capital letters, help Phil. Uh, I just upgraded to roller saddles and locking tuners and I have a set. I have set the string height. I check it. It's in tune. I play a few chords, recheck tuning, and it keeps going high on all the strings. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's going sharp. I've seen this before. Um, some guitars will do that. Um, and I hope that's what you mean by high. Like, yeah, you play it and then all of a sudden it's out of tune, but not flat. It's sharp. Um, and that, so I think where your culprit is, is, well, let's see, you got roller saddles, but see, you're saying you upgraded roller saddles on the bridge, locking tuners, but I think you didn't upgrade that nut then, right? Is, you said roller saddles. I think you mean on the bridge, not the nut. So I think you might have an issue where the nut is actually binding up the strings and causing the problems. So you want to make sure, um, what I would do is you can use a pencil right now and just take a pencil and rub that pencil in those slots of each uh, slot of the nut, or uh, you can use a, a lubricate or um, Big Ben's nut sauce if you have that stuff, but definitely lubricate those slots, put the string, you know, tighten the strings back up, tune up, and then make sure, uh, you know, see if it does it again. But also, please do this. When, when you say out of tune, I always remind everybody this every time. Uh, specifically, what strings out of tune? That's really, if it's all of them and it's consistent across, I understand. That's a, that tells you one story. But if it's just a couple, that tells you a different story. But right now, I definitely think you're having a nut issue with your strings. So that's why I would put your, your focus on that. Uh, the next one is for the Sublime Ibanez. Hey, I like that. Uh, it says, hey, Phil, finally got to catch your live stream now. Oh, that's cool. Thanks. Uh, then I'm back from Japan. Did you get my message regarding the Tom Anderson? Don't mind lending it. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't do it, but I will look for it. I'll search it this afternoon uh, that you sent me a message about a Tom. Because I'm now I'm, I'm my interest is peaked. I should I say um, I was looking at Tom Anderson's this week as I you know, as you often do, Tom Anderson guitars and Sir guitars are these guitars that I spend an exorbitant amount of time periodically every couple of weeks looking at, <laughs> just uh, drooling and thinking about. 
Okay. And it's it's not the prices because they're expensive. It's the prices and the you're buying. I'm buying blind. I can't touch one. So I kind of wish I could, you know, that's for that kind of money. You want to be able to play it and say, yes, this is the one. So uh, George Sloan says, hey, Phil, longtime fan. Have you ever heard of my uncle guitar brand? Bulbous guitars. He has a shop down in Philadelphia. No, but uh, I will earmark it. Uncle Guitar Brand Bulbous Guitars. Interesting name. So I'll make sure it's in the index so I can put a link to it and we can check it out. And the Boston guitarist. Hey, you're the Boston guitarist, but you're not Steve from Boston. But you're a Boston guitarist. Okay. Says, are LSR roller nuts good on a strat for tuning? I've heard people say they suck tone. Um, okay, suck tone's an interesting thing. I, I think what I've always what I've always experienced with musicians and the LSR roller nut on a strat is not that it sucks tone, because uh, that's an interesting way to put that. What I think it probably does is make it perceivably brighter. It's a hard material, it's steel. So I think a lot of musicians think it's bright. A strat's already kind of bright. It kind of brightens it up. I've never really had that experience with the roller nuts. My my logic is, you know, when you fret the string against the, the fret, the fret's metal too. So I mean it's not gonna be brighter than that. So I've never heard I've never heard uh, a guitar where I've installed a, a roller nut and thought, oh yeah, where'd all the sound go? Um, my adage for me personally, the thing that's gotten me through for guitar that I like to stick with is the harder the nut material, usually the better the, the tone for ringing through. Um, cause I can always warm up a sound. It's a pretty easy thing with EQs on the, uh, on the amp and, uh, tone controls. So I've had no downsides on that. So, uh, and, and it, to be honest with you, if a guitar is a little bright, but it stays in tune, that sounds like a good deal to me <laughs> versus a guitar that sounds perfectly tonality but doesn't stay in tune because uh, if it doesn't stay out of tune i get frustrated so um not even gonna try to say any mercy you know what maybe i'll just make up names when i can't say the name i'll be like mick from minnesota <laughs> says dear mr mcknight is there a difference between hardtail strat and locking your trim for instance in tr uh in the instance of terms of sustain um sustain it could be there's a theory behind that it definitely will feel different believe it or not and the reason is is because uh not because what you think you're thinking that you know even if you block a trim when you bend the strings the, the trim kind of moves um it's not that sometimes it has to do with how far down past when the strings break into the bridge before the the ball then stops so uh so an, a, a hard tail strat will be more like a telly in the in the way that it rings tone um, is my experience. So, um, I actually prefer the way a hardtail strat sounds. They sound fantastic. Um, and I think they ring a little truer, I guess, but they feel stiffer to me. So, and the ones I've experienced, but it's tough because even though I think that's my experience and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty confident with it, Fender doesn't make enough hardtail guitars that I've had enough experience with hardtails. I've played maybe about a half a dozen hardtails. So, that's not a lot. Six, six or seven hardtail guitars in a lifetime. And most of them have been like from the seventies and stuff. So, uh, so, you know, you don't know how much of that is just the guitars have been aging and kind of, you know, what, what's great about guitars is when they age and they get older, the wood continues to dry and sometimes they resonate even better. You know, there's things that go happening, uh, that improve the guitar. 
Uh, Brian Stewart says we should start a fund for guitars for vets. Phil's guitars for vets army. Um, we could probably do something like that. I'll put a link right now, uh, in this timestamp to link you to guitars for vets. So you guys can donate straight to guitar for, guitars for vets. Uh, it's a good charity. Uh, there's a couple I used. I like that one. I like good guitars for the classroom. And I also like honor house too, as well. Um, cause my philosophy has always been, if I can share music with people, you know, I want to, um, because it's pretty much made my life bearable, <laughs> right? I, you know, everybody's had some hardships in life and I've had my, my lumps for sure. And music has definitely been the thing that's always got me through. Okay. So Jeff Harper says, I'm looking to get a tube practice amp and the ones I'm looking at are the super champ, which we know I like that one, the blues junior and the bass breaker thoughts. Um, yeah, here's my thoughts. Ready? The Super Champ is going to be the most versatile, I think, because it's got that rotary switch and you get all those sounds. And at low volumes, it sounds great. It takes pedals well, and it's the least expensive by far. However, if you're looking at combos and all those, the Super Champ's downfall for combo for me is that it has a small speaker. Okay. And the Blues Junior, I think, has a bigger speaker and a bigger presence, you know, a bigger, fuller sound. The Blues Junior also has a spring reverb, which I think sounds pretty good compared to the digitals. Although I like both digital reverbs a lot. But there's something about the old school Fender sound if you're going for that. Um, and the Brace Breaker probably, for me, has the best overall distortion tone of all three amps. So the reason I'm saying that is not to confuse you anymore, but to say, hey, look, you got to pick your, your battles here. If you really want to focus on the best overdrive sound, I think the bass breaker is the best of the three. I think if you want the best uh, clean sound, I think the Blues Junior and the bass breaker are close to each other. And I might even prefer the Blues Junior a little bit more, but it's a fractional amount. And the Super Champ is, is, will do well in all those categories, but it won't win in any category other than the fact that it's got the best price and it's the most versatile because, like I said, it can do a lot of things, including, uh, you know, record into your, your uh, computer. So really what's nice about those three choices when you're looking at those amps, they're all functional choices. They're not like, which, which one sounds better? They all sound a little different but they really just have totally different functions. So, all right, next question. Also, you know, since we're saying it, hey guys, put that in the comments down below of the three amps, which ones you guys pick? Uh, you know, especially when this is rebroadcasting, put in the notes. I like to hear your thoughts and, and why, why you pick one over the other. Maybe it'll help him out uh, decide. So, okay. Yes, uh, Sailor Mike says, Fender 59 Twin from Joe Bonamassa Amp. That came out on the 4th. I saw that announcement uh, for $3,500. That's a great deal. If you guys don't know that, let me tell you, that's a great deal. A Fender 59 Twin, Tweed Twin, right now, I am i haven't looked in forever. I bet you there's seven to ten grand. I bet you. I bet you there's seven grand. So, uh, so $3,500 for reissue is not, uh, horrific. Um, but I don't know if you guys saw, you can only buy them directly from Joe Bonamassa's like fan club. You can't get them from a dealer. I don't hate that, uh, idea. Uh, but I kind of, you know, I wish I could go to Sweetwater or somebody that I know, you know what I mean? To get that amp just because, 
I don't know what the Joe Bonamassa return policy is, but that's the kind of amp I hate to say it. You know, I'm sure if you buy that amp, if you have $3,500 to blow on an amp, maybe you just have the kind of money to buy something and not worry about it. Me, I'm the opposite. That kind of money, if I decided to pull that trigger, that amp's got to come and sing and be amazing at home. And, and if it's not, it's got to go back. I can't take the bath on that. Um, but then again, you know, this could be one of those things where if he keeps control of it, they don't make too many of those. They could hold their value. I mean, they could even go up, but they could hold value. Holding value, so, so you understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying loosely. They could still, they could hold stay at 3,500 used, or they could still be worth 3,000 used or 2,500. And to be honest with you, even though it's a lot of money to lose, it's not the bath that you could, you could possibly take, you know, when you buy a $3,500 amp, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, somebody says the, the Joe Bonamassa return policy. You know, it's funny though. On a side note, this is just for humor. If you didn't like the amp, maybe you could just take it to one of his concerts and walk up to the stage and be like, "Yeah, can I get a <laughs> can I get a refund on this, Mister Mister Bonamassa?" So, uh, but yeah, so he's in the amp business apparently, but just for a short time, limited edition run. Okay. All right. Next question that we have is, um. All right, this is a, a question. It's a, in, in pieces, so I'm going to give it a shot. It's uh, Tulio. To, hey, it's Tom from Tedesco. Why not? Uh, it says, hi, Phil. What about luthier guitar makers? Uh, are they worth it? Price quality versus price brand. Um, you know, I know what you're talking about. Like going to a small luthier uh, or, a, you know, guitar builder and having a guitar built. Um, is it worth it? Well, worth it. My experience has been in most cases, not all, but most, you'll get more for your money than you would get from a uh, a, a brand builder. And what I mean by that is, let give me an example. Let's take something simple like a Stratocaster, okay? You can buy a Stratocaster, a production-run Stratocaster from Fender, made in the USA, for about $1,400. You get a choice of like five colors, two neck choices, and maybe two pickup options. You could go to your... Uh, you know, your reliable luthier custom builder and build a guitar like that and have infinity of colors and different color, you know, other different fretboards besides just the two and any pickup options. And again, you can have a much more personal experience and have a piece of, uh, of, of art almost as a guitar that is exactly what you want. However, that price will not be $1,400. So that's the problem. So you have to pay more. And as we all know, it will not resell very well because there's not a whole lot of people looking for uh, the uh, the small luthier builders, right? So that is going to be the, the biggest issue. But you said, uh, is it worth it? And sadly enough, that's the, the worst answer I'm ever going to give. That's up to you. And my experience messing with that is, uh, it's nice to have something unique, but there's a reason why production guitars are production guitars. It's because they they are really good, right? They make a guitar really well, and it's so well that, that they keep making, because of orders, they keep making more. So a lot of times production guitars are hard to beat. It, it, in other words, you have to have the right mentality because a production guitar is a production guitar, not because it's cheap. It's because it's, it's uniformly a, a guitar that we're all pleased with. Uh, John's got a question. It says, since the odds of winning sharpen my axe are slim, I figured I need to back a backup plan. What would, what would you do to a Michael Kelly Patriot, uh, instinct? Definitely want nickel covered pickups. 
uh, for 80s metal. Also love a full, rich Les Paul sound. Well, John, that brings up two things. So, uh, and that's a good time to answer this. So a lot of people are still sending me messages for Sharp Max. Please feel free to do that. Uh, the contest is not over until I say it's over. Um, and if you're looking for me to say, hey, here's the winners. Well, the winners are pretty much getting announced as the videos come out. This process is going to take months as the videos come out. Um, I've, this week alone, I was filming two. The reason one didn't come out this week is because instead of editing and finishing the one I had, I had an opportunity to do another one. And uh, to get one in the pipeline just seemed like more practical to me than finishing up one. Does it make sense? So I'll have three done instead of the two. Uh, anyways, back to the uh, ports of the Sharp My Axe thing. What I'm hoping to do is do exactly what, John, you're asking me, is to try to find guitars that fit everybody's situation so that you can see all the ways that maybe you could do your guitar and, and instead of uh, doing that. And maybe we'll have QA Sharp and Max Edition videos where like this, but it's just about talking about this stuff. And I can have some props because that's the problem. Sometimes when you guys ask me a technical question about repairs, I don't have anything to show you. Um, but back to your question that's important is uh, your Michael Ke Kelly Patriot. Uh, you definitely want nickel covered pickups for 80s metal. Um, well, that's... Uh, and a full rich Les Paul sound. So there's a ton of pickups out there, but keep this in mind. You can have nickel covered, uh, nickel covered, one more time. You can have nickel plated covers added to any pickup, okay? Uh, Duncan does it, uh, DiMarzio does it, Bare Knuckle does it. You can do it to anyone. You can just add that as a feature. Um, and if a pickup company doesn't have this feature or if you have pickups that you like, you can buy the covers. You just have to make sure you get the correct spacing for the holes to line up and install them yourself. It's a very simple process to do. However, there's something to, to note. The metal covers actually do change the pickups lightly and they uh, tend to warm them up and not be as aggressive. Um, and that's why uh, like builders like Paul Reed Smith put exposed bobbin pickups in their custom 24s and, uh, and put covered pickups in there like single cuts and their other kind of more traditional guitars that are metal driven as much. Um, me personally, I could use the covers or not covers on any guitars, just aesthetics for me, but um, and I don't know if what I hear when I hear a difference is that placebo effect. Placebo? Sure, why not? Because, um, of course, that's real. You know what I mean? If it's been, if it's out there, uh, it's going to affect you a little bit, the, the, the thing. So something to think about as well. But what's nice about Michael Kelly to me is that has that kind of Schechter, Paul Reed Smith kind of vibe type guitar. You know, a pickup that I really like, man, is those uh, metal pickups. Literally, they're metal uh, by Paul Reed Smith. So that's a good pickup. I would recommend that one. Um, and then, of course, uh, you can always go easy for that kind of less poly sound. Um, I mean, you say metal, but I, I don't necessarily, I don't think you have to have high gain pickups to get metal sounds. You know, if you're trying to get the guitar to sound beefy like a Les Paul, maybe do something like a Les Paul and put something in there like 59s, uh, you know, some 59s by Seymour Duncan with some covers, um, or maybe 59 in the neck and something more aggressive like a, uh, a distortion in the bridge. So Les Pauls tend to have a really fat, warm neck sound and a kind of bright bridge sound. Most everybody thinks of Les Pauls always being full and dynamic all the way across. But to me, they bite in the bridge and they're warm in the neck. So I think you'd get that sound. DRB says, Fook Samps, what do you think about them? I'm looking at a Full House 50 with 6L6s or the Freeman Runt 50 with EL34s. Those are two different animals. 
in my world or in my mind in, in the world I've messed with. Uh, Fuchs is definitely going to be the more boutique kind of like a, more of a clean sounding amp. And for the most part, you're going to have to drive the Fuchs. In other words, the Freeman Runt 50, just like the Runt 20 in that series, has a lot of front loaded gain. In other words, man, you can get that amp to distort at a very low level. So, and the Fuchs is definitely going to have to have an attenuator if, uh, if you're not prepared to just crank that sucker up. So to me, the answer is I would personally think probably the Fuchs is going to sound better if I was going to bet on which amp I think overall is going to be the, the, the winner for sound for me and my ear preference. But the Runt is going to be definitely more usable. If you go with the Fuchs, definitely get it yourself an attenuator because um, they are, they are very good amps, but they're loud. And, uh, what else? What else you guys got out there? It's so much. You guys got a lot of stuff today. It's like I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a while. All right. Okay. Uh, Indrid Gold, cold. Sorry. Indrid Cold says, hey, Phil, you mentioned getting a Marshall Code or another digital amp for yourself. Uh, watch Henning's Vox VTX40 video. I agree with him. It's the best digital amp out there. Well, now I have to see that because, yeah, that wasn't a contender for me uh, in the in the lineup. I played a Marshall Code 25 or 50. I don't remember. I thought it was 25 at my buddy Thor's house, and then I decided I wanted one. Um, and then I decided I was going back to Katana. You know how it goes. Just... My problem, again, like I said, is I have a bunch of digital amps. and I've been... I actually got rid of one. I'm very excited. So I'm trying to get rid of a couple more to get the – the new ones, they stink because you can't ship them because they're not worth anything. Um, uh, you know, most of them, if they're uh, on the best day, the amp I have is worth 80 bucks, which, you know, if you sell it for 80 bucks and then ship it, <laughs> you know, it's not even worth, not even worth it anymore. Um, so, uh, Lighten Lanzetta. That's my best attempt. Lighten Lanzetta. Says I got a Jackson DKAF seven seven string guitar. I would sharp. I would sharpen my axe. The only upgrade is I is if I okay. So I would sharpen my axe. The only upgrade it has is hip shot locking tuners. So okay. So is that a question? Or are you just telling me that? Sorry about that, uh, Lighten. Uh, so uh, the DKAF seven Jackson seven string. I've played that guitar. Um, I like the Jackson seven strings. The necks aren't too thick. Sometimes with the seven strings, the necks just on those guitars get just obnoxious and it's already wide. So then it's just wide and, you know, thick and your hand just cramps up trying to, to cover all that, that real estate. Um, that one's a really cool one. Um, definitely. So, you know, if you've updated uh, hip shot tuning keys on that guitar, I think you did a really good job. I would go pickups next, man. So the, Okay, Matthew says he's got a Fender Roadworn Telly that frets out and buzzes on the high frets. I'm sighing because I'm they haven't even got to the next part, and I already think I know what's going to happen. Uh, the truss rod is at full relief. Yeah, that's kind of what I was gonna ask because I was thinking about that. And the action is kind of high. Oh, is it just the seven and a quarter radius? neck or does it need shims well it's not the seven and a quarter inch radius that's not the issue uh with the guitar so uh don't don't focus on that and now your question jumped why did it jump away 
And now, because it's weird. I've never had that happen before. Like I was staring at it. I had it pinned and then it moved. Um, but to answer your question, the part of the things I hate about those guitars, the road warrants, is that you have to take the neck off to make an adjustment, right? Um, uh, but my answer to you is going to be, yes, you have to shim the neck that you're going to have to, I mean, it's without seeing it, it's tough, but I'm, I'm going to guess shim is going to be in your future for sure. Um, the next question I got was shut up. Let's talk says favorite Joe Satriani song and album. Funny enough. I was listening to greatest hits, Joe Satriani on the way back here before the live show. So I'm going to say the greatest hits. Um, Sammy Hagar once said, uh, that the best album a band ever does is their greatest hits album. That's why bands should wait to do greatest hits until their credit, their career is over. I thought that was an interesting, uh, suggestion because what I find is I do exactly that. When a band puts out a greatest hits like Joseph Ronnie, I buy them. I bought the Steve, I greatest hits, uh, uh you know, kind of albums too. Anybody does that you buy it. Cause it's got all the songs. So that's where, but my first, uh, favorite Satchel song is Satch Boogie. Absolutely. I was, in fact, I listened to it twice. Oh, when it, when it played, I went back and listened to it again. Just a really great rhythm. You know, it's not a metal song. It's not a, a funk song. It's, it's just, it's just a good song. Okay. Next question. Um, so Bruno wants to know, Hey, from Brazil, he's from Brazil. He says, Hey, your thoughts on, I'm going to say player. Palier or Nash guitars? I don't know Palier, P-A-L-I-R. I don't know if I'm saying anything right, close to right. Uh, but Nash, I know guitars. Nash guitars, if you guys don't know, Nash makes like these Fender style uh, guitars. Uh, they're very good, very expensive. I've worked on a couple, maybe two. When I was at Carter Vintage Guitars in Nashville, they had a couple to uh, send around. So I got, uh, I got to uh, check them out. So I was very excited about that. Um, but definitely, definitely cool. They're, uh, like the McMulls. Uh, that's another one. There's a ton of those out there in the world. Uh, these, uh, kind of like more expensive, but better than Fender, Fender guitars. <laughs> and that's what those fall into. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Okay. Let's hold on one second. Okay. All right, let's go back. This is 900, 900 of us. So thank you guys for hanging out. Let's see what else we got going on. There's a lot of stuff going on in the internet. Although we stopped talking about John Mayer's guitar, even though I just talked about it. So that's good. I was most excited about that. That was the most exciting thing this week. Not hearing about that anymore <laughs> until I just brought it up just now. Okay. All right, Edgar uh, Edgar wants to know, hey, Phil, I'm looking at a 6505 Piranha, the Joyo Bantam, or any of the hot one, hot tone. It's hot tone. Any of the hot tone series must have effects loop. What is the best tiny amp head in your opinion? Um, I am not a fan of the 6505 Piranha. I did not like it. It sounded like a can of bees to me. Um, so if you guys have one, I would really, I like it instead of you guys getting mad when I don't like something you like, which is always silly. You, this is a perfect opportunity to put a eloquent, uh, 
comment that you have the prawn and you like it. I love opposing opinions. Tell us what you think, right? That that's the, that's how somebody out there looking at a product is going to get a good justification of it. See what other people think. So me, not a fan of the piranha. If you are, please put in the comments you are and why, because I'd like to hear why. Maybe I didn't figure it out when I was messing with it. The Joium Bantamamps, I like the blue one. Uh, that's the one I use because I run, I front pedals with it. I've never tried anything other than the blue and the red one. I was not a fan of the red one. Uh, it was okay. I was told that the zombie is killer. Um, so, but I don't know. I didn't play it. And the Hot Tone series, I really liked, but um, you know they're they're a little less wattage than the other two players in that category. Um, so I'm going to say Hot Tone. Out of the three amps, the most impressive for me was the Hot Tone. Um, the Bantams were good. So to me, it was Hot Tone, then Bantam, then Piranha. So also, don't forget. Although I don't know, does the um, does the Tiny Black Terror have an effects loop? Because that was a good one too. I just don't remember if I had effects loop. I think it did. Somebody chime in on that. I could look it up real quick if no one knows, but it'd be cool if somebody could chime in. If that anyone know if the micro dark terror has an effects loop real quick. Let's see what you guys are. Anyone? <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. Nobody knows. All right. So we're gonna go with I yeah, it does. Okay, good. All right, it does. All right, that's what I thought. So please consider the Micro Dark Terror out of those uh, those contenders because I was most impressed, I think, that one when I was uh, playing them all for, for, for that point of view. All right. Uh, okay, next one. Next question. You know, remember when Paul R. Smith was on here and he was like, next. I'm not going to do that, by the way. Okay, here's a good question. It's from James, and he says, Did you see the April Fool's video of the Fender uh, Car <laughs> Carl, uh, Carl Scatter, right? The Carlos Santana's uh, Carl Scatter and the Slash a Caster by the guys from Chapman? I did, and I enjoyed it. You know what? I really was annoyed overall with the majority of April Fool videos. A couple years ago, I think I did one, and I thought I was dumb. I thought everybody else's were dumb, um, and I didn't really enjoy it. And I don't know if it's just because I'm even sticking the mud. Uh, but that one was definitely one of the ones I enjoyed. I think that's what it is. I, I think, it, I think it's just, you know, like everything too many. I watched a couple and I go, well, that one's funny. And hey, that was kind of cool. Okay. Now nah, I don't care anymore. Um, so that was really good. I, I enjoyed that one. I think that one definitely had the most thought put into it. And, uh, I was impressed that they actually had the guitars and not just a Photoshop one. So there you go. Okay. And so, um, yeah, see, V-Man saying Anderton's knocked it out of the park with that one. I agree. Like I said, I enjoyed that one a lot. I was, in fact, like I said, I enjoyed it for two purposes. I enjoyed the practical joke. It was funny. But like I said, I enjoyed the, the fact that they had the, the real, these guitars they made. You know what I mean? This, like these props. I just thought that was cool, right? That's that's the real deal, man. That's not goofing around with some some Photoshop for 20 minutes. That that was like somebody put some time and effort into that video. And uh, I feel like instead of the easy, you know, kind of click grab, they they really worked it. And uh, I, I really I kind of uh, respect them for that. 
Cyber Dream says, is that a real floral gem behind you? Yes, it is. I have two gems and they're both quote unquote real. Yeah, they're not reissues. They're the real, real deal. I have a yellow one and I have a floral. Because um, when I was a kid, that's what I wanted until I was a guitar player. <laughs> And then it's not what I wanted, but I, I like having them. So it's just uh, to me, they're like a piece of here history. So, <laughs> so, uh, King Charlesman says, hi, Phil, long time viewer, first time caller. What do you think about Rick bases? And is it weird? Is not, it's like blocking the rest of your, oh, okay. What do you think of Rickenbacker bases? I love the feel and sound, but suck when trying to set up uh yes i have set up many rickenbacker uh basses and guitars and yeah the dual truss rod thing will get you every time um a little patience always gets you there right but um you know i will tell you on a side note maybe this is why i don't love rickenbacker 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 so you know if you look at the official how do you say video it is rickenbacker not Rickenbacker, so I'm messing it up. But the Rickenbacker basses. Um, I've had to fix so many jacked up ones <laughs> um, because people just get willy-nilly in there and start turning things, and they're not just an instrument that you can buy and just start messing with. Um, what I love about Rickenbacker basses and guitars is that they are one of the few brands that have held to the, their feet to the fire and said, this is what we're going to do. They don't have an import version of it. They don't have a, you know, they're not making a junky version of it. They make what they make and, um, you know, and they stick to the quality and they stick to the production level, levels they can, they can handle. Um, there's a lot of respect that you should give into a company like that. Now, I don't mean that a company that doesn't do that should be disrespected, but there's a lot of respect to be given to a company that says, hey, look, we know we can make more money if we ever cash in the Rickenbacker line, but right now it is what it is. So that's my take on those instruments. They sound great. Um, they are great. They hold value for that reason. I mean, they don't, they don't you know what I mean? I had a Rickenbacker blue guitar. It was blue. That was cool about it. And, um, you know, it's for me, the neck is just not my vibe. The neck's too small. So uh for for basses and guitars so it's just not the feel like you love the feel and the sound i like the sound i didn't love the feel setting them up wasn't a big deal for me but i understand why you're you know it's frustrating uh somebody super chatted five dollars for no reason i'm gonna say uh, i don't even Marce marcello so thank you man i appreciate that uh it's like getting it's like i'm performing in a band and you know, somebody puts money in the tip jar that's cool uh, it kind of makes me feel like I'm performing like a real person, like a real band. Uh, okay. So Martin Porter says, Phil, love the channel. Where would you find quality rosewood neck for 2000 for 2005 USA strat of same profile quality and not crazy money import to the UK? Ah, uh, whoa. Yeah. Well, as soon as you say import to the UK, I, that's where your problem is. Um, I believe Fender still is offering rosewood fretboard necks, USA necks available. Uh, I haven't looked in a few months, so I don't know what's changed this year. And so it's this year. Um, but you can get one from them. Um, if you want, um, a Fender labeled one, one thing I like about the Fender ones is so, you know, is their serial number too. So, I mean, they're, they feel legit when you put them on, they're a legit quality neck. Your 2005, um, back up your 2005 USA Strat is, should be current with the standard, uh, guitar profile that they're doing if they're offering a standard uh, quality neck. If not, my favorite place to get Fender parts is uh, just go to eBay and go to Stratosphere, man. You'll find the guitar from Stratosphere. If not, go to their website. Um, 
very great place. I buy lots of parts from them. Um, I had somebody last time I said, said they had a bad experience just, but for the note, which is always important to know. However, um, you know, I heard a hundred good things and I heard one or two bad things. So take that with a grain of salt. I'm sure the bad things were legit, but obviously in those numbers, you know, something's going to happen. So, um, and Stephen Maris did a super chat too. Thanks, Stephen. I appreciate that, man. Okay. Remember if you guys got a question too, or something, just got a comment, you can say hi, <laughs> or you can, you know. Somebody sent me something that made me laugh. Somebody said, hey, do you think it would be the best tone ever if you got the new John Mayer Strat plugged into the John, Joe Bonamassa amp? And that made me laugh. So I forgot who sent that to me, whoever that was. Thank you. Um, that really made my morning <laughs> when I was drinking coffee. And I was like, as soon as I saw that, I I, I love it. Um, Brandon's got a question. It says, hold on a second. I just want to make sure. Yep, we'll go back to Brandon. Brandon's got a question. It says, hey, Phil, my Les Paul is humming hardcore since i moved my stuff into my new room in my house it only stops humming if i'm if i'm touching all the strings any suggestions yeah that sounds like a ground issue for sure so you need to go open the back cavity and look for some wire that has been pulled apart from something you could have a ground issue you because you move rooms you could have a ground loop issue that could be simple with your amp so you might want to check your amp to make sure that you have a ground loop button or switch something to that effect the other thing you may want to do to check this uh, situation also is change the guitar cable and also make sure you're at least five feet away from your amp now i understand you may not be wanting to stand five feet from your amp but please do it for the test uh get away from the amp believe it or not the guitar if you're sitting i sit right next to my amp and because of that i always have some hum because i understand what's happening the amp the pickups are actually picking up the humming from the amp so if you change rooms, you could have changed positions. You might be sitting closer to the amp than you used to, and that's what you're going to get. Um, so do yourself a favor. Five feet from your amp, don't face your amp. See if you hear the sound. If the sound goes away, then that's easy. If it's uh, humming as bad as you're saying, it really sounds uh, more like uh, uh, it could be a ground loop issue, but it really sounds like maybe something uh, ground broke in the guitar. Um, but definitely ground loop for sure. Um, if you can uh, send another message, uh, tell me what amp it is. Cause I'm curious too. What, what's causing that? Uh, our Hoa says our boss made in Japan pedals worth the trouble and money. Um, you know, I, I, it's a, it's that, it's that, uh, what's that degraded return on investment. I'm trying to, you know, anyways, um, so the answer to the question, I've really, when I've tried all the Made in Japan boss pedals and I've AB'd them to the current lineup, they always sound a little warmer, right? They, they, they do. There's just something warmer about them. But what I always tell people is I have to AB them. And I always, this is my, this is my example forever. If you have to AB it to hear it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's fun to AB things, right? It's like a taste test, right? If you have to taste Coke and Pepsi to taste the difference, if you can't tell the difference when you're just trying, you know, if somebody hands you a Coke and you can't tell if it's a Pepsi or Coke, then it doesn't matter. But it, um, but if, you know, if you have to taste them to, to tell the difference, same thing with this. If you have to AB them to hear the difference, it's not worth it. But if you can hear it, like if you plug into a new boss pedal and you go, wow, this does not sound right. And you try the old one, then it's worth it. That's how I value it for me. Um, 
is, although it's fun to A-B it to get a reference of what's different and how and train your ear for, for listening for things. Um, but I currently do not have any of the Japanese made boss pedals. I have owned at least a dozen of them. I've eventually sold all of them, not because they weren't great. They were great, but it's that same thing. At some point I had one. Uh, I think I showed you guys uh, uh, this or I don't. Perfect example. I have behind me somewhere in this mess. There's a chorus pedal. It's a... Um, I think it's a blue label. So the pink label was uh, Japanese. I had the pink label, the blue label, and the black label, which is the new one. And um, the the Japanese one sounded the best, but it was it was worth what like three boss pedals were. So I sold the Japanese one and got three boss pedals because you know what I decided? It wasn't to me about is the uh, Taiwan made chorus pedal better than the Japanese one? Is is the Japanese one better than that and two other pedals or that and money in my pocket? And the answer was no. So that's where I went with that. Sometimes money is a is a divining factor. Uh, Dan just did a super chat, man. Thank you. That was that's a huge super chat, uh, and thank you for for supporting the channel, and um, and uh, everything you do. Thank you. Um, the Wacko Kid official, not the unofficial Wacko Kid. Everybody, this is the Wacko Kid official. He says. I have eight guitars and I'm thinking of selling six for a custom Kiesel. Okay. I just worry about selling my guitars and stuck with something I might not love. Thoughts? Yeah. Every single person <laughs> that's sane thinks about selling these, you know, their collection of guitars and, and, and going down to a centralized part. Ironically, I'm doing the same thing right now. So, you know, I am, uh, trying to condense some of the guitars cause they've, you know, uh, you know, you, they get carried away over time and, um, you know, at least how I feel about it. And, uh, yes. So, uh, without knowing reference to your guitars, I mean, I don't know if you're saying you're going to get rid of, you know, a couple PRSs and a couple of Merrick Strats and a, you know, and a, and a, and a Sir and get a Kiesel. I'm not sure. We're going to get rid of a couple of Schecters and some Epiphones and get a Kiesel, uh, and maybe just like, Hey, go, go for quantity over quality kind of thing. Right. It's better to have one really great guitar than, uh, a bunch of inexpensive guitars. Um, but the, the the toughest answer that I'm going to give you sucks. I have a policy. I mean, it's a it's I live by it. By the way, we just hit a thousand watching right now. Thank you guys. That's awesome. So here's my policy, and it's financially tough. Okay, I don't make a crap ton of money, so I mean, it's a real thing I have to deal with. Okay, I will not sell a piece of gear to get a piece of gear until I get the piece of gear and know I like it. I have. Personally, my wife has begged me to stop doing that. The the she is she is uh, she she has done everything in her power to tell me to stop doing that. Let me give you an example, exactly what you're talking about. I sell a couple things to get the new thing that I think I'm going to love. I don't love the new thing, and now I really wish I still had the old thing. And so now what I have to do is I buy the new thing, and if I love it, then I get rid of the other ones. I know financially that's tough, man, uh, but. It is the smartest thing to do if you can do it because we've all been there. Put your comments down below. I know you guys are out there and you can have those stories. One of my favorite stories, my biggest mistake ever, I'll tell you, was I had a Fender Basement 59. I loved it, but I wish I had reverb. And I got it in my head one day that if I just got the Fender DeVille uh, 410 with Tweed with reverb, I would love it. I sold my basement. At the time, they were selling for $999 new. I bought mine uh, for that new. Sold it. I think I got $500 for it. Added to the added a couple hundred bucks and got the DeVille. Had the DeVille. Thought I was the happiest person ever. Not even two weeks after getting the DeVille. 
my buddy uh, and I jammed, and he had a 59, and his 59 was so much – I liked it so much better. I missed the 59. So I returned the DeVille. Say I was in with my 30-day window, right? So no sad story. In that time, I'm not kidding, Fender had raised the price to what it is now, $1,400. So it was $14 to get a basement or $800, $900 to get a used one. So the short version of the answer was I ended up having, I didn't get a basement because I couldn't justify buying what I already had for $400 more. So the point of the story is I wish I would have kept on, kept a hold of the basement and then figured it out. So um, if that helps, take that with, with whatever you can do with that. <laughs> um, okay. And then real quick. Okay, here's one from Ian. Ian says, what sub $300 base would you say is the best? Um, for me personally, I think, and uh, bases, uh, I and this is strictly for bases. I think for some reason, for me, Squires and Ibanezes just kill in the $300 price range. They're just great. Um, every time I pick up a, a really good $300 Squire base, and, and Squire makes some great guitars. I'm always impressed with the guitars, but I'm really impressed with Squire basses. Sometimes those basses are just really, really good. And um, Ibanez too, but you got to be into the modern kind of thing, Ibanezes. My favorite, I think, economic bass out there is right now I think a good buy for bases is look for those used Korean Schecter bases for those two three hundred dollar range prices, and there some of them are steel. Um, there are some amazing ones out there. Neck through I, I saw one just the other day. Neck through body made in Korea Schecter base active pickups it was fantastic in every way. It was probably six hundred ninety nine dollars new when it was new, and somebody was trying to get two fifty three hundred dollars for it. That's definitely something to look at as well. There's a ton of great bases out there in that sub price point. $300 is no longer the, uh, you know, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit price range. That, there's some legitimate prices out there. Don't forget used. Uh, also in the used base market for $300, um, don't forget, sometimes you can get lucky and find some really cool GNLs. Um, some, uh, what else is out there? There's, I mean, there's some good stuff trying to think of another brand that's out there that's good but those are the three i would like the most uh in fact i almost bought that check the other day i just couldn't figure out why i would need another base <laughs> um but i wanted to buy it because it it was such a good deal at that price i was like that's a really legitimate base for that price so uh marcello says phil after playing for 30 years i'm getting my first strat and uh it's cool think about this i was 30 years old when i got my first strat so there we have uh, i hadn't been playing for 30 years but i was like 30 it was 31, but right. That was my first strap. Um, it's a made in Mexico standard. That's what mine was. Uh, should I upgrade the bridge or just the block brass or titanium? Uh, me personally, I don't think upgrading the bridge is a huge deal. People get really crazy right now. Right now, somebody's typing about like, ah, the screws wear out and the plate's not the same. Me personally, if you're going to upgrade a strap bridge, um, you know, you can get a brass block pretty cheap. Go ahead and do that. Uh, stick that on there. It's a good way to kind of make it kind of sound a little better. Do that. Uh, I've tried the titanium. Uh, we talked about this on a live show once before. I paid for a titanium block on a strat. I put it in my custom shop strat. It was horrible. Uh, I, I, I never ever thought in a million years, the block did as much as I, as it did. <laughs> it was really thin. Um, I even put it in another strat to make sure I wasn't crazy. And, uh, I think I paid $90 for it. I think you can be at a brass block reasonably priced in the $20 range. I can't imagine they're much more than that. Um, so yeah, brass block is a, is a good way to go. Just make sure you keep the original block. Always make sure you put your guitar back the way it was when you sell it. 
because um, you can use that brass block on something else. So there you go. Um, James says, my biggest mistake was selling an American 2008 Telecaster. I got it in 2008 for 150 bucks due to department closing down because I like the look of black Mexican fender and felt and it sounded, wait, okay, I lost you, James. I'm sorry. So his biggest mistake was he sold his American 2008 Telecaster. So he got it in 2008 for $150 due to a department closing uh, down. And he goes, I like the look of the black Mexican fender that I felt that sounded awful. So yeah, see, that's that mistake that we're talking about all the time, right? You, you know, you kind of, it's hard. We have to do it a lot of anticipating, you know, something that hit me recently was I was making a comment that, um, you know, we used to go in stores and try gear and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and sometimes people get upset, you know, cause some stores didn't want you man handling the, the, the stuff, right. They, they wanted you to ask before I answer. And we used to get upset about that. And now to try stuff, we have to have it shipped to our house and go through this long process. Um, and that's, that's the problem I have right now, which is when you order something, you know, you're anticipating it. So it's scary to me when I let a piece of gear know that I already like, I know I like it, but I think I'm gonna like this better. And, um, I just had a great experience where I saved myself a ton of money. I got that go knee six. Uh, I liked it. I didn't, I'm not loving it, but I like it a whole lot. And I thought, you know what? I need a Taylor T5. So I found a Taylor T5 local. I had to drive, uh, almost an hour and a half to get there. And then on two hours back as a traffic and I did not love it. And the entire time I wasn't regretful of how much time it took to drive there. I was thinking the entire time, wow, I just saved myself a fortune ordering that guitar and finding out just in time, you know, and, and shipping money. Right. So, um, uh, Paul, has got a great question. It says, Hey, Phil, um, from New Hampshire, uh, have you seen the shred neck? Uh, travel guitars. I have uh, been thinking of getting one uh, for the couch. Thoughts? Uh, no, I'm not for me, man. You know what I use that I love? Um, I have for, uh, for what I use for small travel purposes, and I absolutely love it. It's one of my first videos I ever did on YouTube. So if you go back in my go back in my video selection, go all the way to the beginning. Maybe I'll link it in here. Um, Gretsch makes a six string ukulele. Um, I also like. There's a couple. Uh, Yamaha's has one. There's a couple brands. I know it sounds silly, but a six string ukulele is the same as a guitar if it was capoed on the fourth fret, right? Fifth fret. Fifth fret. It's eight A, right? Thanks. Is that right? Yes. ADA fifth fret. Um, so you just play a ukulele, like a guitar. Um, I really like it. It sounds good. I, it's an actual instrument. You can play fun little ukulele songs. Um, I really, really, really like that idea to me, all those shred neck things and stuff, all those little things. Uh, at first you're, you know, it, if you're diligent and you just practice, I think it'll be fine, but it didn't work for me. I, I really enjoyed having an actual instrument. What's nice about a six string ukulele is an, it's an actual instrument. You can play ukulele songs or guitar songs on it. They're fun. So something like that. And I find the people don't get annoyed in the room. You know, the other thing happens is when you're picking on a string that doesn't really have an audible sound, uh, you're not that less annoying to, <laughs> to the people in the room, <laughs> right? It's kind of like a drummer drumming on a rubber pad, <laughs> It's not that much less annoying than playing on drums. It's a little less loud, but it's just as annoying, right? No one wants to hear somebody, you know, uh, doing rudiments on, on a rubber pad. No one wants to hear you plunking on dead strings. Uh, so at least the ukulele was uh, really cool. And I really recommend the Gretsch one. I, I think it's 150 bucks with a deluxe gig bag. And I take it with me wherever I go on vacation. It's great. 
Uh, I think it's a solid top. But again, there's a couple out there. Find you know find the best deal and and go for that. Um, Brent says, "Hey Phil, I bought a '68 Princeton re Reverb based on your recommendations. It's awesome. Each of my guitars, and you jumped. <laughs> Let's go back one more time. Ah, oh, and I love it when it jumps. Okay, hold on a second. I'm getting right back to you. Okay, here we go, Brent. It says, uh, Brent says he bought the '68 Princeton based on my recommendation. It's awesome. Each of my guitars feels brand new. What's your favorite instrument chord brand?" uh right angle versus straight ends uh so i don't have a favorite instrument cable brand um i have a an unfavorite brand right uh, i don't think i'm making what words today i have brands i don't like uh i don't like junk cables you know stuff that's like that crackles when you move it and stuff what i find is is that some people really get into cables uh, i get into just as long as the cable's good so i like diadario i like hosa um I'm sorry, Daddario. <laughs> I like Daddario cables. I like Hosa. I like um, the Fender cables are pretty good. I've had haven't had problems with them. Um, I'm using Pig Hog. What else am I using? Um, PRS cables. I, you know what I mean. I just I, I don't really put a lot of thought into cables. You know, over time, I think. I don't know about you guys, but I'm playing guitar so long now. I just acquire cables, you know, like, oh, let's try this one. And then I buy that one. And the next, next thing I know, 10, 15 years go by and I got like 20 of them. And yeah, every once in a while goes, one goes bad, but I don't need to buy a guitar cable for a while. <laughs> I got a lot of them. Um, Gamma Overlord. Set, I love that sign on, man. That's awesome. Gamma Overlord. Says, hey, Phil, enjoyed Thursday's Hangout. Um trade opportunity so he's referring to uh yesterday we uh uh we did the patron hangout yeah it was awesome guys um so uh thank you for doing that i enjoyed it as well um so he's uh thinking a trade opportunity to move up in gear gibson les paul 59 reissue 33563 reissue or heritage h35 why why beyond the fact have whoa let's do that one more time He's got, I'm thinking he's, he's saying he's got a trade opportunity, trade op to move up in gear. A Gibson Les Paul 59 reissue, a ES-335-63 reissue, or Heritage H-535. Um, so, so that's your, that's your choices? Hmm. Well, I'm biased right now because I'm looking at a, uh, an ES-335. So I think uh, I think you should get an ES-335. We'll be ES-335. If you get an ES-335, I'll, maybe I'll get that ES-335. <laughs> so um, the Les Paul 59 reissue for me, it's hard to tell you I like it. The neck is so thick on those things. I'm just not into it. They sound great, but man, it's like a workout. Um, it's just, you know, I think I've talked about this before with neck thickness. It's where you place your hand. And I put my thumb on the back of the neck. So when a neck's thick, it it's just a, this is my hand. Versus this, you know what I mean? And I don't like thin necks. I just like everything like a Fender Standard C right in the middle. So something like that. Okay. Ah, Todd Flowers said ES-335 for sure. Yeah, you know what? I Don't be surprised if my next guitar isn't the ES-335. Uh, Sean Blue says Heritage ES-335. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, the only reason I'm saying not the Heritage is just because I don't even know if they're currently making guitars. I never heard what happened with that the employees like they they get employees so they're making guitars otherwise you got to get used heritages right now uh 
I can't even say the name. Rescue, Resurrectionish, Rishia. Say Rishia, Rishia, Rishia. <laughs> says opinion on lace sensor pickups. I like them. I'm a fan more of the uh, uh, the red, uh, silver, blue set than I am of the golds. A lot of people like the golds. The golds sound more traditional to me. The fenders, I kind of like having the the bigger, beefier red, silver, uh, blue set. I have a set. I've put them in my guitars. I'm putting them back in a guitar right now. I actually I have a strat downstairs, getting its laces putting put back in it. So sometimes after a while, I just uh, pull the uh, the uh, the laces out, you know what I mean? Because I get a little, you know, kind of bored of it, and then put them back. Um. Okay, Bruce says your favorite parlor acoustic. Oh, you know, I don't really have a favorite parlor acoustic, but uh, one that I'm a, I like is the Amy A M I by Arts and Luthery. I own an Amy uh, acoustic. Uh, classical. That's my classical guitar is my Amy. And it's a parlor shape. And what I like about uh, Arts and Luthery guitars, they're made in Canada. They use uh, mostly Canadian wood. It's like 95% Canadian wood. So the neck is going to be maple instead of mahogany. The body is probably um, like cherry wood. The top is cedar. The only thing that's probably not from Canada is the rosewood fretboard. And I'm sure they're going to some kind of resin, phenolic resin or rich light. But um, they're cool guitars, and they come with a gig bag, and they're reasonably priced. And uh, so that's why I recommend that. I wish I was more of a parlor person. I'm just not. I, I, I like folk-shaped acoustics and dreadnoughts. Um, and I actually, like I said, I play acoustic way more than probably think I, people think I do because, you know, because of electric guitars. But uh, I'm just not a huge parlor person. Uh, so uh, Sublime Ibanez says, hey, Phil, it's me again. <laughs> question regarding attenuation amp sound. Okay, this is always a good question. If I were to use an attenuator, which would you recommend? Volume pedal trick. However, okay, so he's asking me which one I would recommend. Now this is the second part. A volume pedal trick. However, would there be any issue with impedance? Um, not with the volume pedal trick. So you're talking about if you put the volume pedal through the effects loop and use that kind of like a, not as an attenuation because that's not what it's doing, but you know, as an overall master volume, that's all you're doing. If you stick a volume pedal in the effects loop of a, of a guitar amp, uh, and you, you can turn the amp down, like it becomes the master volume. So you can turn the volume up. Now you're master on your amp. You turn that up, but now the volume pedal in the effects loop will become the like a master volume so you can run it quieter. I have a video on that as well. Um, but as an attenuators go, attenuators, a lot of people don't like them because they darken the sound. It doesn't sound the, the same. Um, I've heard uh, a really good things about a lot of them out there. Um, but the one I use is the Rock Crusher by Rivera. I like Rivera a lot. The build quality of Rivera is really good. In fact, I think it's uh, beyond reproach. I don't think anyone questions quality. That guy, Rivera is like, quality so i really like uh i like it um the ox is really cool but it's 1200 bucks um um i'm not a fan of of um which let's i'm trying to think of ones i don't like i you know the power break by marshall's okay i'm not a big fan of it i had it it was okay um jetonator by jet city is pretty good although um it's uh limited you know it's limited features but it's also one of the least expensive so it's really good for the price point i mean it's it's a it's less than half of what the rock crusher ha uh goes for but it doesn't attenuate as much in other words you can't get it as quiet so something to think about that with attenuation but for me the rock crusher is my favorite although there's um 
the Fryette one is supposed to be fantastic. I've never tried it, so I, I can't tell you that uh, for sure. So, okay, let's double check real quick. Give me one second. Okay, and okay, just want to make sure we'll do. Uh, let's see, since there's over a thousand of us, and uh, it's four o'clock. Let's do uh, two more and we'll call it. Uh, what do we got going on? What do you guys got? This is the last, this is the final round. As soon as I unlock it. Sorry, sometimes to read your comments, I got to lock them in for a second so I can read them. Uh, Shaman Blue says, Phil, can you talk about GitCon? Sure. Uh, can we do, uh, Shaman, can you ask me specifically, what do you want to know about GitCon? GitCon's in October. Uh, it's the second week in October. So it got pushed back dramatically from last year. Last year was the last week in September. Now it's the second week of October. Um, a lot of the same participants that were there last year will be there this year. Obviously Robert Baker and Glenn Fricker, I was told will probably not be there because they're going to China to the, to the, the big China Shanghai festival. So there's stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of the deal with that. Um, and then to be honest with you, I've been in a little bit in the dark on who's all going. I know Tyler Larson's going because I talked to him. I know the Tone King's going because I talked to him. I know uh, Steve from Boston's going because I talked to him. Uh, I was told by people at GitCon that Pete Thorne and somebody else is going. I'm trying to think of the person's name. I feel horrible. I like his channel too. And he usually does videos with Pete Thorne. Um, he's going as well. Uh, but that's all I know for, for what from what I know. So I'm not any kind of, any kind of, I'm not in any kind of loop. So I'm not, so, um, have I tried the, the Margio PAF master pickups? I have Matthew and I like them, uh, very much so. So, um, yes, a plus I liked it. Bruce has got a question. I want a Benson or Morgan, but they don't have FX loop. What do I do? Uh, you gotta get a different amp. <laughs> Uh, that, I mean, if you want an effects loop, yeah, they just don't. Uh, so if, if the question is, is there anything like them that has an effects loop? Um, no, you know, that that's a question. I used to complain all the time about companies not putting reverb and effects loop in amps. And finally I sat down with some really intelligent amp designers who really explained why you can't do that. It does change a lot about the amps, uh, kind of feel. And, um, and I've, you know, kind of like my Princeton, I love my Princeton. I like my Princeton with an effects loop. But I understand by putting in the effects loop, it's going to change the dynamics of that amp. So, um, and there's no insert thing. You can't do it. But keep this in mind, and this is just something to, to reiterate. Um, it Just because it doesn't have effects loop, remember, a lot of musicians for a long time didn't run things through effects loop. So you can always run everything through the front end of the amp. It's just how it works. It's just a little trickier. And uh, Lyrical One did a super chat. I appreciate that. And uh, that's a great way to end. So we'll do one last question. And, and we'll call it. What's the last question? Hmm. Oh. All right. I was trying to hope to find something. Um, I'm trying to see if there's... Some of you guys, got, there's some great questions now, so so you know. Okay, last question uh, is going to be 
This one right here. Oh, um, so here's the one. It's not that exciting. It says, what piece of gear is at the top of my list to try out? Hmm. What, what piece of gear? Uh, you know what? That new rev pedal. I'm interested in that. Um, because I like pedals. I've said this before many times. I like pedals that are based on amps. That's what the Friedman BEOD did for me, the Dirty Shirley, uh, the 5150 by MXR. I really like a pedal that's like, I like the idea, whether it's really true or not, I don't care. I like the idea when they take a two and $3,000 amp, expensive amp that I can't justify owning, and they put it in a pedal form. And sometimes I feel like, um, it's fun to plug in and go, Hey, that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, so, uh, the new rev G three pedal is something I'm interested in. If you guys have seen, I think every YouTuber on the planet's demoing one right now. I watched a couple of the demos. Um, I, I went to look for it. The only place I saw it for sale was on reverb straight from them. So, um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go new or wait for a used one, but it looks really interesting. So that's the piece of gear I think is interesting. All right, guys, as always, uh, that was awesome. I appreciate you guys hanging out. Over a thousand of us hanging out. Uh, and for those of you that hung out to the end, two things I want to tell you. One, uh, I, the last month's t-shirt was the Telecaster. This month's is going to be the PRS. However, the Telecaster will go until this weekend because I was supposed to end it last week and I didn't say anything because we had Tyler and I was thinking about Tyler and doing that. And I didn't say that. So if you want one of those uh, the Telly Know Your Gear t-shirts, this weekend's last, and then we go to the next shirt. So there's always the Strat one is available. And otherwise, next this month, it's going to be the uh, um, the PRS. But that's not what I'm announcing secretly right now. What I'm announcing to you guys is later on tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, there's another live show. What? On this channel. But this time... It's you're going to answer the questions and I'm going to ask. So tonight at 10 o'clock Eastern time, if you don't have anything better to do, we are going to figure out together as a community for fun, like a scavenger hunt. So have your computers ready, have your Google all queued up. And uh, here's the game. We're going to play a game. Scavenger hunt. Ready? Which artist has the most expensive rig? And the criteria is very simple. It has to be an artist licensed product. So like, is it John Mayer with the silver sky and the PRS amp as, is it the Zach Wild Les Paul with right? Zach Wild MXR pedals. Is it Petrucci uh, majesty with the, um, the Petrucci uh, Mesa amp. So it's just gonna be fun, right? Uh, maybe 30 minutes to an hour. Come on. I'll have somebody with me uh, and we'll basically try to figure it out for fun. Uh, it's something I, we were joking about the other day and I thought this would be fun for everybody to do. So later on today, 10 p.m. Eastern time, if you want to jump on for 30 minutes to an hour and help me figure out. Uh, <laughs> somebody says, it's a Bonamassa. You know what? So you guys know, I'm not going to ruin anything, but don't forget, uh, Eddie Van Halen has a $25,000 Frankenstein Strat out there. So I want to see how good you guys are at Google searching, figuring this stuff out. Uh, yeah, let's figure it out. Let's see see if we can all figure out. So if you guys want to cheat a little bit and kind of queue up now before you tonight, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, uh, what do you, I wouldn't begrudge you for that. Cause like I said, I'm curious myself as always guys. I want to thank you so much for hanging out and, uh, until next time, know your gear. <laughs>